Jackson Sabonis two-man game inside. Domas dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes, a Murray miracle in the desert. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got Chris Watkins joining the show of Sacktown Sports 1140 and Return of the Roar podcast. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, man? We're doing well, man. Yeah, just uh, just wrapped up work and, uh, you know, just just chilling. We had practice earlier today, so uh, just kind of it feels good to be like in the swing of things, you know, <laughs> like practices are happening now. Obviously, preseason game number one is out the way. Uh, the regular season was like two weeks away, I think. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just chilling. This is a nice little calm before the storm, if you will. It is. We got a weirdly long break between preseason game one and preseason game two. Yeah. Um, I think we saw the Lakers play like six games in preseason. The mm-hmm. uh, Kings are only playing four, which is a little different. Um, real quick, I always forget to point this out, but trying to remember this more often. Uh, we are live streaming and there's always video versions of these podcasts available on YouTube. So anybody listening on audio can, if they prefer to watch the pod, uh, can check out Kings Pulse on YouTube and comments there are good places to leave questions that we'll answer in future episodes but chris uh i guess one of the other things i do we do is re-watch these games on twitch um in live streams that we've been doing as well um and i guess the link for that is twitch.tv slash brendan nba i'm not gonna lie i'm never gonna get used to plugging all these things it feels real weird and unnatural Um, but we've been doing that. And so where I wanted to start, Chris, is what stood out to you when we, when we did that rewatch of preseason game one against the Lakers? Um, you know, the thing that really stuck out to me actually, and this isn't, you know, it wasn't my big takeaway from the game, but it was definitely the biggest, uh, misperception I think I had during the game was I, I really felt like initially when I watched the game, Matthew Delvadova was pretty unspectacular I just you know I didn't think he was bad by any imagine but I just thought he kind of was moving the offense a little um didn't really have any memorable plays I obviously remember his his three-point attempt uh because that I I had not seen him shoot a basketball in a couple years and just the uh I don't know that was that was very uh it jumped out at me but uh you not, know he doesn't what, have a good looking shot or what that was so. not what stuck out to me but no that's <laughs> it's not pretty um but just his impact honestly i thought uh he had a lot of hustle i mean it was it's honestly what you would expect from matthew delavadova a lot of hustle plays um just a lot of grit a lot he was fighting for rebounds um had had proved that he had that dog in him for sure um was the biggest takeaway for me and uh i mean that was really my biggest question was can delhi uh show signs that he still has uh, you know, some life in those legs. And, and, you know, it's, I think he's only 32 years old, which shocked me when I heard, but um, he's been out of the league for like two years now. And uh, just for on rewatch, especially I was, I was really impressed with, uh, with just how active he still is. Yeah. Apparently he's only a month into 32, which is pretty wild. And I kind of had the same thing. I, I think that maybe I wasn't as uh, locked into the game, when it came to the minutes that Delhi was in, admittedly, but true. like, yeah, yeah, rewatching it, I, I definitely thought that he was decent. You know, I, I think it's like good relative to what you would hope for from a 
backup point guard, um, right. which I think is, or I'm sorry, third string point guard, not even backup. Right. So I, I think relatively, I thought that that was solid. Um, I was even more impressed with Keegan. Like, I think I already obviously came away from the game impressed with Keegan, but just like, he just looks comfortable. You know, I thought that at the beginning of the game and in my initial watch that maybe he looked a little rushed or I just thought it was like a lot of mid ranges and like these push shots. And it's like, I thought he should get all to all the way to the rim. And maybe that was like him settling a little. Um, I don't know if that was actually the case. Like, I, I think that he was just trying to figure out where his best spot was going to be that game. And I liked him messing with the floater a little bit at first. And then he kind of fell into it. Um, I thought that Holmes was solid. Like I, he looked like a pretty rough watch first time around. And then the second it was, wasn't quite as bad as I maybe thought. Um, and yeah, and I think the whole experience of like live by the buddy, die by the buddy. I think we're going to get a little bit of the same with Malik Monk in yeah. a different way. They play differently, but like we were talking about it. There's a little bit of sometimes you just have to like similarly to Dante last year. But again, obviously different players like every once in a while, there's just going to be a shot that I think you just have to forgive. Yep, because sometimes they'll go in. And and honestly, I think it's just part of Malik um, getting for whatever reason. I mean, he, he it's not that he lacks confidence. It's just uh, he, oh, he really does not. All he does is take tough shots. It's really kind of incredible. It's kind of like it's a little J.R. Smithy in that way that it's almost like the tougher the shot, the easier it is for him. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of moments, not only offensively, though, defensively as well, where it's just like, man, like we have to live with what Malik's doing on this end because, I mean, he might be scorched earth on the other end. So um, that definitely for sure stuck out as well. And, and to your Keegan point as well, I think there were two to three different times where you and I both were like, I mean, that's that Chris Middleton thing that he keeps talking or that he, I shouldn't say keeps talking about, but that he, he mentioned um, when he, when he first came in here, um, we saw so many instances already where it was like, how is this, this guy's first, you know, real NBA game, or I guess not even real NBA game, but first NBA action. Um, it was, it was really impressive to see. And, you know, there were, there was a couple shots to me that stick out, but um, it was incredibly impressive from Keegan, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he definitely was, was the MVP of that game for sure. He definitely was, uh, on both sides, even, I mean, Braun hardly played. And I, I think that it's worth noting that like the starters were pretty tough in that game. Like very, if it didn't, if this wasn't a preseason game, like it looked like the Kings might get blown out to be honest. <laughs> like, I, you know, you know, you never know what would have happened in that second, third, fourth quarter, but like, End of the first, it was not going well. And I think if the Lakers were running AD and uh, Braun for yeah, most of that for, game, yeah, I'd be completely. even Russ. Russ looked solid. Mm -hmm. Like he, he was kind of getting the better of, of De'Aaron. He also was just kind of bullying Davion when Davion was on him. Like it wasn't, there's definitely things that still needed to be cleaned up when it came to the starting unit. And I think there's just a lot of guys getting used to playing each other. Like on offense, it's like a pretty free flowing offense that they have a lot of their own things that they can do within the flow of the offense to kind of switch it up and keep defenses on their toes. But I think it's going to take some time getting used to each other with that type of offense. Like it's not all that different than I think what Alvin's kind of was last year. Um, but I think the big difference is like, there are some slight adjustments for sure. Um, it's offensively, but I think the big difference is just like 
when you have that sort of reading reactor, like free flowing offense, um, freelance, I guess, like you would say is having I, high IQ players is where that's going to shine. Right. And that was like the big thing in the off season where they, I thought they improved and they got rid of the guys that maybe don't exactly have a good basketball IQs is a kind way to say it. So I, I think that that's pretty telling. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of playing through Domas, obviously, like Mike Brown in one of the clips we'll get to here that I'm going to play throughout the episode talks about um, playing off point five. So just everybody playing off ball and running the ball through the five, which is Domas, obviously. Um, I think when they try to do that with Rashawn out there, it's a little bit weird because that's not exactly his sh- strong suit. Um, but before I get actually, let's just stay on that offense. I, I think one of the other things to watch for is these like split cuts that they're doing a lot, which for anybody listening is um, to give you an example, say that uh, De'Aaron is on the perimeter and Herter comes up and gives him a screen from there. Those two guys can go in whatever opposite directions that they want. And it's just to confuse the defense. Herter could slip that and go to the rim. Um, Fox could look like he's going to go over the screen and come back around and go and back cut sort of to the rim, or he could just curl to the rim. He could go off of that and then into a dribble handoff from Domas and Herter pops out. But I think there were like a handful of times where both guys did the same thing at once. And that's not what you want Mm -hmm. to happen. Um, And that's just going to be getting used to like each other's tendencies. I think like, I've kind of thought that a new coach, you're going to have growing pains like we saw with Boston last year. And it wouldn't surprise me if that made for like a little bit of a tough start. But I kind of think that's just part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to and, you know, it's not going to be just over the preseason. It's going to take a couple games here. And and let's not forget that, you know, De'Aaron and and DeMontis haven't played more than I think, uh, what was it, 15 games last year together. Um, so they're still very new and, you know, that's why you hope that that training camp and hopefully, honestly, we, we look back at this week that, that we're having right here and uh, they can look back on this and say, thankfully, we had pretty much an extra training camp. I mean, when you really think about it. Um, and so it'll, it'll, I'm very intrigued to see how they look uh, against Portland. I think it is actually pretty interesting that these first two games are against the Lakers and against the Blazers, because I'm pretty sure that's the two teams that the Kings are going to be fighting uh, at the end of the season for, for the, hopefully the Kings are at the top end of the, of the play in tournament. But um, I definitely foresee, you know, the Lakers, Portland, um, possibly new Orleans also being in that mix. But uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, after one game, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like they are they they are where they probably should be in terms of, you know, getting to know each other. And, and like you said, you know, like there's just going to be these growing pains. But I, I you know, t- for them to not be behind schedule to me is the big thing. They did look very bad. But I in that first half and you mentioned that. But I think, uh, you know, it was a lot. A lot of missed shots in that first half. And I think if, you know, half of those jump shots go in it kind of does a lot for that team. And, and, you know, the, the big problem with having Fox and Sabonis on the floor is that it limits your spacing and, and, you know, you need shooters out there. And if the shooters aren't hitting their shots, that's kind of the worst case scenario for the Kings. So, um, you know, if (laughs) it's almost like that's pretty much as bad as it's going to look and it looked pretty damn bad. Um, But nonetheless, I think the team looked solid overall. Yeah, part of that, I kind of wonder, 
how much like HB is not going to go zero of four, right? Even De'Aaron like zero of three. Like I, I would guess he hits one um, consistently. Herder went one of three. Like Murray was the only guy knocking down his triples. Yes, Herder did hit that first one from real deep too. Mm-hmm. That, that guy can shoot a couple steps behind the line consistently, yeah. um, and he doesn't have to get like all too much of a wind up or anything. It's still a quick release from really deep out. Um, yeah, and other guys will hit their shots. Like Monk will hit it at a better rate. Um, you hope that Davion gets gets more shots to go down from beyond the arc. But part of me wonders, like, if KZ starting, I mean, offensively is where that's a question, right? Like defensively, I think it makes sense for sure. Um, it's just like offensively the spacing there. And I, I kind of want to get to, um, we have clips before we get to focusing on Keegan and kind of defensive versati- versatility, but sticking on the offense. Um, here's Mike Brown from practice today talking about some of his um, some of his values on the offensive end. Well, I mean, we, we have a few staples. You know, it's not, not just pace, but it's spacing. It's pace, spacing, uh, playing in the point five, which is getting off the ball, uh, ball reversals, and then paint touches. And there's a lot of ways to, ways to get paint touches, not just by the dribble, but, you know, if a guy cuts, we want him cutting the score. Because if you cut hard to score, you're going to draw the defense in. You know, if you set a pick and roll and you dive hard, you're going to draw the defense in. And all you're doing is helping your teammates out. And so we have, we have five staples, those five staples that I talked to you about. And, and, you know, we try to stress them as much as we can. And, uh, you know, watching film, uh, talking about them every day, drilling them, and making sure offensively that we put some, you know, we put some stuff in that promotes those staples is what, uh, we believe will help uh, our entire group continue to grow in that area. I mean, Mike Brown literally laying out the staples of their offense and defense yeah. like, has been nice for sure. He actually told us when it came to the defense that he would literally this. walk us through. Say this. He told us he would walk us through their offense and defense. He clarified walk for sure. So that way none of us would sue him if there was any injuries. Um, but like, we have to I follow cannot, up on that. Yes, I was like, I have to be like, like I, I feel like so, Avery. Like, what is this happening? Yeah. Yes, um, yeah, we're gonna have to actually make that happen and hold him to that because that would be awesome to be able to do. But the five, um, the five things that he highlighted. What's the word? I, I keep a uh, the five. Um, why am I drawing a blank? He said the five. It's not schemes, whatever. The five crucial points of their offense, drawing a blank on the word that he used, um, are pace, spacing, playing off point five, which point five would be Domas, and that's just off-ball movement, um, ball reversals, and then paint touches. And I think him talking about paint touches not only being off the dribble but off of cutting is really big. Um, like when you see those, those split cuts that we were talking about, um, the guy hitting the paint and being fully committed, which is what Mike Brown's talking about, fully committed to that cut is really important. And I think that this is where like De'Aaron in my mind can lead by example. Like if De'Aaron's cuts are hard every single time, that guy is drawing a lot of off ball pressure by doing that. Um, But the reason, other reason I point him out specifically is because like he's out there, with a lot of offensive responsibility. And like, that's one of those small details where it's like when you have such a heavy burden offensively or just in the game in general, 
are you going to be able to give 100% on those small details? And I think him doing that would be really big because I get why that's like a tough thing to do with the amount of um, minutes that he's playing. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you can translate that right over to the other side of the ball as well. I mean, that his 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 defense has been um, really suspect at times. And I think uh, he has even I, I'm not sure if he's actually came out and said it, but I mean, it's, it's kind of been implied that it's because he has such a huge offensive workload. Um, so, I mean, that yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story for De'Aaron this season is going to be. Uh, can you lock in for 48 or, you know, however many minutes that you're on the court? Um, because it's not just going to be about his offense and, and what he brings um, offensively, because in theory, we have more offensive weapons this year that that we can rely on. And so he won't have to be, um, you know, he won't have to shoulder that burden as much as he has in the past. So, yeah, I mean, that that's, that's a great point that you make about the cutting. And, and you know, he, Mike Brown has made a big point of paint touches since he's gotten here. I'm pretty sure in his first press conference, it was one of the first things he mentioned was was uh, about how they it's it's crucial for the offense to get uh, at least two feet in the paint on every possession. If you want to, it just makes the defense collapse. And and that's where you can really get your your disadvantages defensively. That's how you um, get wide open Octala threes right there. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, they, they had a lot of good looks. I thought the other day um, they just weren't hitting them. So um, and, you know, I it actually during our film breakdown, I remember us uh, wondering about their their defensive uh, schemes in terms of using the baseline and using the sideline. And Mike did highlight that in that clip that you just played um, about using the sideline and the baseline as that extra defender. Um, so that's definitely something that I, I remember noticing in our in our film breakdown the other day, but something I'm going to be looking forward to in the future. Definitely. You literally asked, like, you were like, always growing up, I got told to never give baseline up. Um, and what's up with it here? I forget who we were watching that ended up giving it up at that time. Yeah. Um, but Mike Brown's quote today, I don't know that it was part of that, but if it wasn't, uh, just in case it was, quote, we're not funneling at baseline, we're keeping the ball on the sideline. If you keep the ball on the sideline, you have two extra defenders. Uh, you have the sideline as an extra defender, and then you have the baseline as an extra defender. So it makes sense. It's just keeping it with, keeping it out of the middle of the floor, but also not giving up baseline. Like you're just trying to keep them in that corner. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you'll see a lot of icing pick and rolls, um, which for anybody unaware, if there's a pick and roll on the side of the floor, say it's on the right side of the floor, a screen comes up on the left. The defender is going to jump in front of that screen, kind of above the three-point line, if that's where it's set, to keep the ball on the side of the floor. And that's where a lot of times you'll see the guy with the ball do like a fake left or right cross, and it looks like the defender gets just like cooked, but really he's doing his job of not letting them get back towards the middle. And then the big is kind of responsible, and Mike Brown said like, help, our help is built around those priorities on the defensive end, which I think is interesting. Um, next clip I want to get to. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just I was just adding to that. If you see people in the middle of a game just going through the middle of the paint, that means things aren't going well. Is essentially the, the gist of all of that. If people are just running down the it's essentially like soccer. I mean, it's kind of a very soccer-minded defense. Like even again from like an elementary I didn't play a lot of club soccer or anything like that, but uh even the most basics is don't let the ball in the middle just because it's so much easier to score. Your depth perception is different. Obviously, for anyone who's taken a side shot in basketball, it's really harder to hit it from the side. Um, I mean, you know, at the pro level, that's not the same issue. But uh, fundamentally, keep people out of the middle. 
Yeah, and I think it just like limits the options that the offensive player has to distribute. You know, if they hit the middle, they have the left and right side of the floor as options to to dime up. And then if they don't have that, then skip passes over the top are going to be more difficult and they just like limit their total amount of options. Um, and I think the paint touches translate to the other end too. Like I think that the Kings want to get as many paint touches as possible on offense, but it's just also limiting the opposing paint touches on the other end. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and perimeter containment's gonna be tough. Like I, I don't I don't know. Let, let's get to this this clip real quick before we talk about defense. Um, because I want to get your thoughts there in a second. But this is Trey Lyles from today talking about adjusting to a new offense and a new defense under head coach Mike Brown. And how confident are you that that's gonna that's gonna work um, so far this year, I just think we've been more uh, open, you know, with one another, communicating, getting on each other's cases, understanding what we're doing. Uh, it's not that much of a different scheme than what we had last year when I got here, but I just think guys are a little bit more bought in. Uh, Coach Brown has definitely, you know, made it a key that we, we focus on those things, and guys are taking that to the next level and showing on the court. What about the other end? How long does it take to get used to a new offense? Uh, it's pretty easy, you know. Uh, it, it's a free-flowing offense. You know, there's not – we don't have many plays and stuff like that. We kind of just go through and, and read one another and see what the other one's doing and go from there. So it's kind of an easy offense to play. Guys are more bought in is the real big difference. Are you buying it or what? Sounds like something you hear every year, no? Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, the vibes are always good uh, during during training camp. Um, that's super interesting to me because I mean, obviously Trey wasn't here at the beginning of last season, but um, with with the few exception of a couple guys, it it always felt like the vibes have been good here. I mean, there really hasn't been much, you know, hostility in our locker room as you see what's what's happening down in the bay. Like the Kings have never really not pretty much since they've uh you know ushered out of the demarcus cousins era they've really been honestly a team of really really nice guys and so uh you, you know it's a little bit of lip service for sure that the vibe is good but uh you know i think i think it's more just the guys all being on the same page i'm buying it because there's different guys this year you know like we we're getting told previously like oh it's a different vibe and it's like all the same people except yeah. for the end of the rotation. Um, and this year is just a whole, whole different group. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of different groups throughout the time that Sacramento's uh, been in this drought, but like Mike Brown accountability is like totally just what we're seeing happen. Like Trey Lyles right there talking about the communication being really big and like just feeling comfortable calling your teammate out when they fuck up. Like, mm -hmm. I think that that's, I mean, it's just really important in any environment. I'm sure everybody listening can relate. Like if you have a desk job and you have to work with the person next to you and they're not pulling their weight, it's so nice when you're able to say, Hey, I need you to be also doing X, Y, you're only doing X, Y, and I need you to be doing Z as well and not feel like they're going to feel a type of way about that. And instead it's going to be a productive conversation. That's going to make life easier for the both of y'all. Like, and it's just going to lead to better results. Like, I, I think that that's just so important to have a healthy environment like that. And I think that Mike Brown, like, sets the example there, right? Where I was just about to say that. Yep. I think he's uh, going to call guys out and said that out, said that uh, almost point blank. Uh, he, I, I'm pretty sure almost verbatim, actually. He said, uh, Mike's going to call you out on anything, like small shit, big shit, doesn't matter. Like, he's going, if, <laughs> if he sees something, he's going to say something 100%. Um, and, 
it while I'm sure at some point that might weigh on a lot of people, I think at the moment that's exactly what this team needs is is a is a ton of accountability. And it's it sounds like I mean they're taking to it really well. And um I it'll be interesting middle of the season how how they take that. But um, you know, again, for now, these are all positive signs. We can go with uh, take this thing day by day and and you know it, it's good to see in here that these guys are all on the same page still i'm with you there's a lot of clips that i'm if sorry if they if they you know they're gonna have a tough stretch during this season and then if not even in the beginning of the season uh and you know it's that's been the, the fault of this team in, in years of past where it's just like any sign of adversity the team completely crumbles um, there's never really been a time where they have outperformed expectations. So um, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting interesting stretch when that happens. Yeah, it's something Mike Brown's highlighted a few times, right? That like at some point we're going to take a step back. It's just the nature of this. Like there is adversity, and you just hope that you're taking more steps forward than you are back. But I think like being prepared for that, knowing it's coming, and already having built a comfort level, having those tough conversations so you can continue to have them when you really need to, when things are not going well, um, is important. Like I know that we saw him kind of call out Davion a little bit um, at the end of one of these practices, just sort of saying like, you got cooked. We need more from you. Um, And I I think that I heard that that same practice and some of these practices, like Mike is just on people is, is the whole Mm -hmm. point. Coach Brown is on people. Um, and again, I think it's in a very healthy way. Um, do you have any strong opinions on like positions and how to define different positions? Like I'm somebody that defines your position by who you can guard. I, I think positions are kind of all about defense, but what's your two cents on like, what's the difference between a two, three and a four? It's again, kind of like. when I see it, I know it like it to me, it's more style like offense. And I I think more offensively for sure. But, um, you know, defense should definitely take in, take into account just as much. Um, I think like, yeah, with Keegan, it's more about defense, right? I mean, he, he, it'd be a lot tougher for him to keep up with, you know, it, well, it's honestly tough because I can't even tell you, like, I always think of a three as, LeBron and you know Kawhi Leonard and these guys you know guys like that but honestly nowadays those are the fours you know and in my mind a four is like a a Paul Millsap or a Blake Griffin or someone like that who's a little bigger obviously not a center but still skilled enough um you know but also at the same time not as uh you know as quick as your Paul Georges and, and your Kawhis and stuff so I guess I kind of need to recalibrate from that, but um, I, it's kind of, again, like initially it's, it's just kind of when, it, how I see them, you can just kind of place them. Do you, I mean, you said defensively, but is there, is there any, anything more complex than that? It's just kind of who can you guard. I think so. And I think like to your point of like guys that kind of stick out as like the stereotypical ones that fit in those roles, like mm-hmm. you definitely still see, those like ad was just a four that the lakers were up against and braun was at the three like um but then you'll play right like sometimes he's a four sometimes he's a two sometimes he's a one almost it's like what's going on here it's um 
Yeah, and and you don't know, right? Like, yeah. they're going to go from Braun, AD, and D Jones to uh, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Joseph Nurkic. Like, yeah. I think it's just very different night to night, and I, I think mm-hmm. that's a good like lead into what Coach Brown and, and Keegan talked about with with positions. And uh, we'll start with we'll start with Coach here. And uh, I think there's a little bit of a spicy line that people could blow out of proportion, but we'll, we'll cover it after it runs. Mike, we're seeing Keegan at the three actually quite a bit. How much in practice, what percentage of his reps are at the three versus the four? So really, our two, three, and four are all the same. It's, it's more about can we match up defensively. Like I, I, Keegan, in my opinion, can probably play the two, three, or four. So uh, his versatility on both sides of the ball is, is, is a lot of fun to see, especially with how poised he is for a young guy. Is he more effective defensively at, at one or, or two of those spots? Or I haven't figured that out yet, but, uh, you know, in the summer league, he guarded some twos, you know. Uh, obviously, he's guarded threes and fours, so we'll, we'll see as we go along. Spicy line is he can guard two, yeah. threes, and fours, obviously. Um and that the two, three, and four are all the same. I think I see it on offense, right? Um, yeah. And it is position to position. Twos is a lot of faith in his lateral quickness on defense. Um, trying to think what twos he was guarding in summer league. I think of like Benedict Matherin, I guess, if he's ever playing a two. But like... I guess maybe he is alongside Tyrese, right? I mean, trying to think what Indiana's lineup is, but I don't even think they know what their lineup is. Yeah, I guess there's moments, and to his point, it's going to depend on who you're up against, but, like, the two is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, to me, it kind of... It's kind of a bailout to say this, but I think he's right in the sense of, you know, if he gets, if Keegan gets switched onto a two, it's not the end of the world. He can probably defend him for a couple possessions or, you know, you know, a possession here and there. Um, whether or not Mike is going to, you know, put out, because that's the th- like, is Mike Brown going to really put out some massive lineup of like De'Aaron, Keegan, Barnes, Akpala, and Sabonis? Or, you know, something like like that would be the situation in which Keegan's a two. Like, yeah. there's not really any other situation. And that's only happening if you're against, like, the Jimmy Butler at the one seconds. for yeah. two for whatever reason. Yeah, like. Or maybe, you know, maybe that's a lineup you throw against the Clippers because that's something I've been thinking, you know, with KZ starting the other day. I was if like. PG's a two. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. If PG's a two. I mean, yeah, which they realistically could. I think they still PG, have one of yeah, the more wins, right? I think, like, yeah, say it's Collison or um, not Collison, but um, Reggie Jackson or not definitely not Collison, but Reggie Jackson oh, uh, yeah. or John Wall at the point. Then you have PG, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, and then Zubak. Like, that's a lineup where maybe Keegan does play the two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in that sense, sure. Um, but even then, that raises the initial Keegan Murray defense question of like, can he guard someone like Paul George? Is he quick enough to, to defend someone who, cause I mean, that's more of the, can Keegan play three conversation? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I, I think Keegan has the cap, you know, to where you can't really say, Oh, Sabonis can guard two go you know, like even if he gets switched onto a two, it's a mismatch. It's a big mismatch and he's probably going to get cooked. King gets switched onto a two, 
you know, hopefully it's not Brad Beal, but he should probably be able to hold his own against most. Um, so in that sense, I hear him. But again, like I'm, I don't think we're going to see any massive lineups of at, with Keegan really p- offensively playing the two as well. Yeah, I don't but think also, so. Either. You know, defensively with him saying two through four is the same for us. I, I can understand in the sense of it's all just perimeter defenders at this point. Yeah. And, and just like there's some teams that I think have like fully phoned it in on what is what position and like yeah. those are the teams where like yeah maybe keegan has to feel like a two like if you're talking about boston and mm-hmm. it's like marcus smart malcolm brogdon tatum Jalen, and robert williams or al horford like a jumbo lineup where your mm-hmm. two is or even marcus isn't in that and you have like Jalen as your two like yeah there's there's just bigger teams where i think you have to deal with that a little bit more often like offensively to your point though about like the more traditional thing like having a two um, but really it could be any of your two through four, but having another guy that can put the ball on the floor, it just like traditionally was the two before, but having another guy that can do that, I think is really important to help break down a defense, but it's a little different when your one can do it. And technically your five kind of can run an offense. Um, but yeah, so someone in the chat does ask, uh, Sean Williams, did you guys watch Victor and scoop balling out? We did watch some of them highlights. We're going to get to that in a sec, but before we move on to that, um, I have one more clip of Keegan talking about his comfort at, at different positions? Cool. Uh, it's, it's been a little bit of both. It depends on the day. Um, so uh, they're just putting me in different spots, seeing what I'm good at, how I need to work in. So uh, I feel like I'm getting reps at both spots pretty evenly. So for me, it's just going out and just trying to figure it out. How are you going to play both spots? Uh, it just depends on the lineup. Uh, it depends on the lineup we have on the floor, who we're playing against. So there's a lot of variables that factor into that. I'm up for whatever. How, how critical can you be of, of your performance in that game when most people think that probably one is about as good as it could yeah, I had a lot of spots, um, especially defensively and offensively, that uh, I need to work on. Uh, different reads that I missed um, offensively, um, rotating defensively and things like that. So it's a bunch of little things that uh, the coaches have talked about and I need to improve on. So I think it's a learning experience for me. A solid plus 2,000 fans and 15% team chemistry right there. Like. Keegan gives literally 2K answers. And it's like, you know, when you're trying to figure out what's the right answer here that's going to give you the most fans in chemistry, like Keegan is the right answer. Because sometimes you think you press the right answer, but then your guy just goes off and you're like, oh, all of a sudden I'm an asshole now just because I didn't agree with this guy. Like, my guy's got hella attitude. No, like Keegan is the right answer every time. Um, And it's a little like cookie cutter and dry, but like that's just what Keegan is, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've very much enjoyed Keegan's just his whole – I, I just love his existence. He's a really, really funny, <laughs> funny guy to have on the team. <laughs> he definitely is. And I, so I, I put a lot of clips into this episode. I'm curious, just a little bit of feedback on that. If people like the, a lot, the amount of clips that's been going on, I could do that post game when it's happened throughout the year. We do have a lot because of all the, um, not training camp, I guess we're past training camp, but all the practices that have been going on between preseason game one and game two. Um, do you have any other, thoughts before we move on to a little bit of like victor and scoot and then we'll get to what draymond said today too at one point (laughs) um no not really i mean i could ask you something more big picture i'm i mean i'm kind of curious we i touched on it earlier but like the where, where do you fall in the hierarchy of like where you expect the kings to finish in the laker pelican blazer 
situation? I can't put them above the Lakers. Um, I, I know that the Lakers depth is ugly. Um, I was a little, maybe not sad, but I wanted to see how Dr- Troy Brown looked. I, I think that he's somebody that could be interesting for their depth. But the fact that I'm saying like Troy Brown is somebody that has to be interesting says a lot like JTA, somebody that I like, but I don't know that you want to be relying on him after like their main four. Um, I don't know who you can rely on. I, I like Pat Bev. I like Austin Reeves. But what it comes down to is like, it's just Braun and AD. And I'm yeah. not betting against those two. And even Russ, like if one of those guys goes down, Braun or AD, like, and Russ, I'm not going to bet on against three Hall of Famers when the Kings just like haven't historically had it. You know, I'm not going to fault anybody that can. I honestly think this comes from growing up being a Celtics fan and constantly betting against Braun. And at some point in my life, I had to just like come to realize like I'm just never going to bet against this guy again. 100%. I definitely understand that. And it is like history is just bared that out that if you bet against LeBron he's going to prove you wrong in the most humiliating way possible Um, because he's just he's uh, he's inevitable he is he is what Thanos said Um, but to counter what you say about not betting against them I don't even know if it's really betting against those guys it's just they're gonna like those if not all three are going to get injured at some point during this year. I mean, LeBron James is 30. What is he? 38 now, 39 has played the most minutes of any player in NBA history in terms of, you know, uh, pre uh, uh, regular season and postseason minutes. Um, he's, he's going to break that. I believe this year, uh, you know, he's obviously going for his points record. AD is, I mean, we, we know AD's injury history. Russ is in and out of <laughs> AD actually already not playing missed, game two. Already missed the game, which was which really funny. Insane. I had to like, I saw it and was like, was this a joke? And it's like, no, this yeah. is real. They yeah. should have played him two I mean, minutes, dude. Just to, that's to just not being, get the memes. Yeah. Like, it's being way too hyper uh, what, uh, conservative. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, the guy needs to be treated like a basketball player before. Um, before I can pencil the Lakers in to really anything at this moment. And I mean, yeah, Russ is in and out of trade rumors every day. Like Russ might not even be here by game one. Well, and that like might be a good thing, right? This is the other thing that factors in there is that like, they're probably going to make a trade. Like the whole like, oh, are they just going to waste a year of Braun and just like go into next year with cap space so that way they can look at Kyrie? Like, I don't think so. Like, could they? Sure. But more likely than not, they're going to trade one or two of these first rounders and get I, probably better, I would assume. Like, if they trade for Buddy and Miles Turner, do you feel like they're for sure better than the Kings at that point? I mean, no. no. I, I I wouldn't trust that. <laughs> I would not trust, trust Buddy. Buddy Field? I would not trust <laughs> Buddy without a without any training camp or anything. I mean, any prior knowledge of playing with LeBron to figure that out, and especially defensively, that would just be an absolute train wreck. Um. What do you think actually did see uh, Bill Simmons put out on Twitter uh, last night after the Draymond incident leaked uh, pretty much that trade that it would be Draymond going to the Lakers, Miles Turner going to the uh, Warriors, but he's still going to, uh, to the Lakers. Interesting. Right. I just don't think Draymond's getting traded. Like I'm, I can't. Be- I mean, I can believe this since I grew up around the Warriors. But apparently, I'm a Draymond defender. 
here in these last couple days. Like, I really think that Draymond is a huge part of that team. Obviously, he's not above Steph Clay, but like, I think just as not just as much, but I think it's almost underrated how much Steph and Clay benefit from playing off Draymond. Obviously, Draymond benefits playing off those two exponentially more, but like, Draymond deserves a lot of a lot of flowers for his impact in like changing the game to what it is today because sure like Steph's pulling up from ridiculous range and like the amount of free reign and um, just the amount of bullshit that guards are allowed to try and pull now because they've seen Steph do it at a decent rate and that's becoming acceptable obviously Steph has his impact there but when it comes to like small ball existing it's kind of Draymond and Iggy like Draymond being able to play the five function as a big at his size, but also guard uh, smaller guys in the way that he did. Andrew. Like, and he's still kind of that guy defensively. Yeah. I think he was second in defensive player of the vote uh, year voting last year, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit kind. I think he's definitely not the same dude that he was on defense, but he's like, I don't know. I, I think the Draymond stuff is a little, a little overboard to be honest. No, I definitely hear you. I mean, and he absolutely does not get his flowers even still to this day, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's you're completely right on your point. I mean, even I remember when they were like, Draymond is going to be our starting five, just thinking like, that's absurd. Like, I see what you're trying to do because it allows you to have more shooting on the court, which you probably don't even need, but you're just going to get killed at the rim and you're going to get killed on rebounds and all the positive that it gives you on offense, it's going to end up killing you defensively because you'll just feed your center and he'll cook Draymond that simple. And it really like, it's just it, that was the thinking at the time. And now, I mean, it it's not, unheard of for you know Jeff Green to play center and you know you see someone like I mean Robert Williams probably doesn't have an NBA career if not for Draymond Green he's just an undersized center at that point and there's no way they I don't think they would give him the opportunity that they've given him I mean the like Dre is yeah I think exactly what you're saying and and where I was at like I, I think that Draymond changed the game almost his in complimentary because he was with those other guys um changed like just deserves a lot of credit for that and i guess that we can just lead into um we'll get to the comparison with portland in a sec um because that's who they play next and that's the other team i think they're kind of really competing with but since we're already on the topic of draymond i'm just going to play this clip uh when when did this happen do you know the whole interrupted thing i believe uh, that, that this is like the clip that they got from like, you know how the shop always does a preview before the episode airs? I believe that is what this is from. I could definitely be wrong. Okay. So it, must, it might be a new episode. That would make sense because this seems new to me. It's, going and I to was... be, it's definitely on the newest episode. I just don't know if that new episode has came out or if this is just the snippet that they always post. Got you. That's good clarification because I was like, is this an old clip somebody pulled and we're no, just freaking out about it? Not but, okay, so we'll get to it here. It's it's Braun on the Interrupted. Uh, PJ Tucker's in there as well. It's the shop. It's the show with Braun as well uh, and Maverick Carter. So, uh, yeah, he, the Kings yeah, kind of catch a stray. So here you go. It's not a night that I show up and I don't want to be a dog, <laughs> especially – if it's LeBron coming in, if it's a Giannis coming in, because them the games I live for. Easy. You ready for them? Easy. It's the nights I show up 
and we playing against the sorry motherfuckers. The Sacramento Kings. I can't play. Who, the Kings? <laughs> the Kings stinks. <laughs> <laughs> you name them. Yeah. <laughs> OKC right now. OKC. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. The, it's Kings, hard the Kings make it better this year, I hope. But, you know, it's, it's like, like, how am I supposed to get myself up with, like, with this engine because you done like, played so many big time to, games, like, like to fucking on on this soft Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> to fucking yeah. bro. What's first off, PJ, PJ Tucker's voice is incredible. Just like <laughs> how, how deep it is, bro. Like I I just don't even know how he. It's just incredible. Some pop um, stuff. I completely under. I mean, this is like kind of the. Uh, untold secret of the nba i mean i think it's became more public but like players really don't give a shit about your random tuesday games in sacramento or okc when they're bad like it, it, everyone kind of already knows it obviously you know for a couple years ago there was uh you know popovich would like sit all of his starters in in games like this where he didn't care about and the league got mad but uh yeah you know it definitely makes sense uh i think it's interesting that people are <laughs> he should, bro. That's what I I wish. I wish the uh Dre would would take a take an off day against the Kings. But um yeah, I mean, I it's it's uh I completely lost my train of thought there, but my bad. Uh no, you're good. <laughs> um people are freaking out that like Oh, yeah, that's wow. what I was going to say. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised that people are freaking I should I shouldn't be surprised, but I don't really know why people are upset at Draymond here when it's honestly Mav Carter's bitch ass who throws out a red <laughs> Dre. You're wild. <laughs> I mean, okay, so Dre saying these sorry ass teams. You can't like when you're sitting there and you hear that. The first teams that pop into your mind, most people <laughs> that are NBA fans that are not directly based in Sacramento are going to think the Sacramento Kings, like just being real. This team has got to be somebody. Sucked. Yeah. This team has and they've, sucked, they've been the worst. They have been literally, Horrible. I mean, not the worst record wise, but like, well, they'd I mean, be good again, if we they all were the know. worst a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like, you know, when you think bad NFL teams, you're probably still going to honestly think the Browns and the lions, like that just is how it is. There are worse NFL teams, you know, the Jaguars. Again, they're not really bad this year, but it's when you think NBA, it's going to be the Kings. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, there's really not a close second. If you had to name a second just perennial, perennially bad NBA team, like the Wizards, I guess. The Wizards are a solid. The Knicks have been pretty tough for the a Knicks minute for now. sure. Obviously, the Knicks are in the public light, and so their failure. I mean, they haven't they haven't really had the much chats at Knicks them. twice right away. Boom. All right. So <laughs> I guess it's the Knicks. Yeah, th there's definitely other teams, but like I, I get it from Dre's point of view. And to, and Dre does say like the Kings are hopefully better this hopefully. year. Like um <laughs> I, I think it's just because Dre was already in the news for the whole Jordan Poole incident as well um and then this ends up happening and and yeah i, I don't know it, it was something that i probably wouldn't have even really talked about but i felt like like everybody was kind of yeah. um freaking out about so just wanted my to... girlfriend sent it to me so yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, people <laughs> are you know. yeah i was yes like, Christ. last thing chris um women yama is ridiculous victor women yama <laughs> 
bro. What the hell? Seven. You were talking about two K earlier, bro. Oh my god, this guy is like he's a cracked two play two K. Like you literally can't even make this guy in a video game. Like that's how ridiculous this man is. It I, I I tweeted this the other day. Like he's the type of shit that like if I went up against in two K, I'd probably turn my console off and just be like this is stupidly unrealistic this like is what broken. are we doing here yeah. yeah like he it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous he's pulling up from legit curry range in transition doing these fadeaway threes he has like Giannis-esque moments of finishing um he doesn't have like a super slim build he is slim but it's not like he doesn't Chet. look how old is he he's like 18 right? I, I think 18 19 and he does not look, I mean, yeah, to your point, he doesn't look like Chet. He doesn't look, I mean, I even remember like Joel Embiid was he, a skinny guy in college. And like Wembenyama is probably bigger skinny. than all of those guys. He's, yeah, you know, he is, he is. But it's but not like. Little to him for sure. He's got some. Yeah, it's not super worrisome or anything. Yeah, it's yeah. not Chet. Like, and I wasn't really tripping about Chet's weight either just I, because I, I thought he played super uh, physical still. But like. Yeah, yeah, Victor's ridiculous. And then I just want to say, like, I know that people are giving him his credit, so maybe it's not fair to say he's not, but, like, it might be just getting overshadowed, overshadowed and all this. Like, Scoot Henderson is like, really solid, too. Um, I, haven't, I haven't watched these full games, but just seen a handful of the clips. And for Scoot to be doing what he's doing against Wembenyama is really impressive. Like, he's going to get blocked a couple times, but that's always just the nature no of the fear. guard. But like, also, he's going against Wemp, like. Everyone knows this is the number one versus number two recruit, uh, probably number two, one, two picks in the draft. And Scoot Henderson is taking that shit personally. Like, he, he, uh, did he try and dunk on him? I'm he did. Sure. He got swatted, yeah, but, I, he, got but swatted he really tried it. And like, he tried it. Like, this fool is, I love the intensity and I love his mentality. Big Anthony Edwards vibes. <laughs> um, like he's, he's going to be an absolute monster in the league too. I mean, it's, it's going to be really crazy to like, I mean, we're definitely going to look back on these games and be like, that shit was insane. I mean, it's really not often that the number one and number two picks in the draft go off against each other in, in college even. Um, so the fact that we're getting to see this is, is pretty incredible. And for them to perform that the way I haven't seen the uh, the game two highlights, but for them to have the performances that they had in game one, uh, and to really just take over—I mean, you know—they they took over social media that night completely. I mean, everybody was tweeting about uh, Webb and Yama, and, and a, even you know even Scoot got his share for sure. Um, but I did see the Webb and Yama fall away three from the corner today, and um, to your point, that's some turn off the Xbox shit right there. Like if somebody does that with with Rudy Gobert, you turn the Xbox off immediately and you're like, not today. I'm not playing this today. I saw somebody say he's this man has never shot a contested jumper in his life. And I thought that that was hilarious because his his release is so high with being 7'3". That's KD. Yep. KD got the same thing. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds crazy, right? And there's issues with this. There's issues with every comp. But like the people that are out there like saying like, it's KD it. mixed with Rudy Gobert. Like, they got it throw sounds insane, yeah. but like you really see it with Steph. With Steph, maybe chill on the Steph. No, <laughs> but I, I get you. Chris Apps. Oh yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I think it's a no. it's a nice marriage of the three. Because honestly, I think like at his worst, he'll be Chris Dabbs Or a better version, honestly, of Chris Dabbs Wurzingas. 
Yeah, Just and that's like the absolute floor. I think he'll be way better, yeah. but like absolute floor. Yeah. yeah. Um, to go through those numbers real quick, game one that the Ignite won by seven, Wembenyama has 37 on seven of 11 from three, 11 of 20 from the, uh, from the field, eight of 12 from the free throw line, five blocks, four rebounds, seven threes and five blocks is a ridiculous two things to do in one game. On the other end, Scoot Henderson with 28 and nine, uh, five rebounds, two steals, 11 of 21 for him, uh, two of three from deep and four of six from the line. And then to go to today's game, which it's dope, like you said, to see these two guys, number one and two likely picks. Um, I do feel a little weird about saying that, to be honest, because I don't know the rest of the draft class. And I feel like there's oftentimes this is said really early in the draft process. And then someone else comes up. Like I think at the Thompson brothers, the twins are really, really damn good. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll have to see if these guys actually end up being one and two. But the point is they yeah. straight up look like um, core pieces of a team, like, like future all-stars for sure. Well, and when Benyama already is the number one pick, like, yeah, this is, yeah. this is, this is the last big game he's going to have. And I mean, this might as well. People are know, literally projecting still... him to be an all-time great. Like, yeah, it, it's insanity. Um, and, and for them to play two games in a row, I think is really sick to your point. Like, and they're doing this in November, which is so wild. Um, but game two, women, Yama has 36, in 11 with four assists, uh, four blocks, a steal. He goes 11 of 24 from the field, only two of seven from three, but still getting up seven only. shots. Yeah. Uh, 12 of 16 from the free throw line. And uh, Scoot Henderson only played five minutes. Did Scoot have some sort of injury? Actually, I did not catch anything, but the uh, Victor highlights admittedly in game two. Um, we have to shout out our boy, Steve Steve. <laughs> My boy Double E. Oh my S T E E V E for the first name. Last name is uh Ho You Fat. H O space Y O U space F A T. Yeah. That's right. my understanding is like his legal name. Like mm-hmm. didn't didn't change it up. You know, this isn't like a world peace thing. I, I think this was his <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I think he was born this way, man. Like <laughs> he was born fat and uh, he was born uh, uh, in the ho you fat family um and i just think that that's one of the greatest things i've ever yeah. seen for that to just yeah. casually be mixed in during an all-time matchup of prospects so that's the thing that's what i thought instantly when i saw his name is like this is one of those moments where it's like you live We're not watching random life. Shima Moneki fi- film. No, like, no, 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 no. This is like he was literally made. Like, this is his moment <laughs> in time. Like, this was the reason for his birth, for his existence. Everything was for <laughs> yesterday or whatever, today, whatever that game was. It was to eventually, at the age of 34, play a G League Ignite team and then absolutely blow up for one day on the internet like he was literally he's put on 34 or that he is 34 years old so he's been playing for a very long time is my point he's been playing for a long time we've never heard of him and of course he's on the team that goes to play this one versus two or two matchup and he he just absolutely blows up and becomes the uh oh okay well then we should probably you know i got a lot of good goods over there so i should probably uh not <laughs> talk 
talk bad Meg, about Meg in the chat says his family's like the controller of the port in French Guinea. Is that gotcha. Guinea? Is that how you say that? I there was a lot of uh, controversy about that in the <laughs> media room the other day. I heard I heard Jason Anderson trying to figure that out. Yes, no disrespect. I hope I'm pronouncing these countries right. That that was the toughest thing about uh, Eurobasket is feeling like I'm butchering the names of countries. Like I, yeah. I really got to step up my game there. But uh, I, I think that Nigeria. I got Nigeria. Nigeria. I got Nigeria. Um, do you have any other final thoughts before we get out of here, Chris? Uh, Anybody in the chat, if you have any questions you yeah, want to get yeah. in, let us know. But anything on your end, Chris? Uh, I have a question for you. This is really random, and it's because you you just forced me to try and rack my brain for something to say. Uh, Brendan, what has been your favorite media food? Food? Um Caught me off guard there. Yeah. I mean, the cookies are a cop out. Yeah. But I can't go with the cookies. I do want to just state to anybody listening, though, the cookies at Golden One Center in the media room, it's hilarious to me because they're good cookies, right? But it's funny <laughs> to watch national media members come in and get told, oh, you have to try the cookies here. Like, the cookies here are to die for, like, blah, blah, blah. They're really good. But, like, <laughs> I swear the national media that comes to Golden One Center has to be like, God, they're just going to keep pushing these cookies on me, man. Yeah. Like, they're solid, but it's just funny how much they are talked about. Yeah. Um, it's probably like one of the pastas. Like, yeah, it, it's probably some form of like the pasta and yeah. chicken that they do when the chicken yeah. isn't just like totally dry. <laughs> Which is like sometimes it's tough. Yeah, yeah. If you get the right chicken, the lasagna is not bad. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? I have no answer for this. I mean, the cookies are always great. Like it is, I to your Frank point, would like, say the popcorn. Is, yeah, the popcorn. The popcorn's all right, but uh, to, I mean, the cookies are the star for sure. Like those things are dangerous. The double chocolate chip, the chocolate. I actually think that they sell the cookies out on the concourse these days. Do they? Yeah, I believe at one of the stands they sell the uh, salted chocolate chip cookies. Do we have any uh the chat's asking, do we have a jersey update, Chris? I think you and Frank were the ones to drop the uh Yeah. Um what was the for anybody that missed it previously, what was the the jersey uh oh the jersey talk from like a month ago that you guys released? Yeah. Uh that was just pretty much that the Kings won't be uh using their early two thousands, the uh you know, the ones that they wore. Uh, when they play the Lakers and, you know, they're just black and white. They will not be revealing those uh, as the city edition um, or statement, whatever the hell it is, uh, because that those uh, any jersey, I guess, like any of the city edition jerseys, if they're a throwback, has to be an anniversary edition. Um, so there has to be like a specific reason for doing it, or it has to be like a 15 year, 20 year anniversary kind of thing. And that's what we're seeing with the Bucks and, uh, the Suns, I think there's uh, there's one other team the that's Wizards. doing their cool. The Wizards, I think, are doing cool throwbacks as well. Um, so that was the news that we dropped. Um, I think. Oh, and then yeah, they just said that it would be uh, something new and something we haven't seen before. I think the thing that that comment was talking about was uh, something that Frank's been big on. I personally, I, I'm actually curious to know what your thoughts on on it are. Uh, 
there have been a lot of pictures released on the King socials. Um, and we've seen it because we've been at practice, but the people in jerseys, um, there's, there's white, there's black and there's red. People are drawing a lot of conclusions on lineups based off of, uh, what Jersey people are wearing on a given day. Do you take anything from it? Yes. Now that we've seen it a lot and there's like consistency, you know, I, I wasn't putting too much into the KZ stuff at first because I, I just didn't think that he was going to be starting. Right. But now we've seen it for a while um, where the first unit, which is always in black, is Fox, Herder, um, HB, KZ and Sabonis. The second unit that we've seen consistently has been um, Davion, Malik, Keegan, Trey Lyles and Rashawn Holmes. And then let's see if I can the keep Reds. up with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think there's another gray that is mm. a third unit. And then the fourth unit looks to be in red. And I think, let's see if I can get this right. I, I actually think I could do the fourth unit easier. And then we can do the third unit mm-hmm. by process of elimination. So the fourth unit has been your shit, boy, which one, which one of the guards, Deli or cook. Um, I, I know it's feel like I, I've seen them both in them. I feel like Delhi, honestly. I know it's red. been Keon and Kada, and then we've seen Moneki and Sam Merrill. And then Moneki was I, in red today. Yes. And I don't remember which guard. Um, but it, it might be Cook. I, I don't know which one of the guards was third or fourth string, but that was fourth string. So then the rest of the third string would be either one of Cook or Delhi. Um, and then you've seen Terrence Davis, Chemezi mm-hmm. Metsu, Kent Basemore? No, Kent Basemore was in red. Damn. Basemore I have this red. mixed up. But I the know that is, third you string... Yes, yes I, I do think that they... Are pretty telling. I think guys you're seeing in uh, red are four string, and I think that there's going to be things that vary, and who's in what string could mm-hmm. could change up. Like we've heard Mike Brown, Mike Brown talk about, but I think that now we've seen consistency with these. That like, yeah, I am, I am putting stock in. I thought like in Trey Laz's presser today, it was interesting that he talked about how he he thinks him and Keegan are a good fit in the second unit, mm-hmm. and like. Meaning in my mind, like obviously they've gotten a lot of reps together as yeah. a second unit. And like, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I, I am putting stuff into it. Uh, I, I definitely think it's interesting. And like TD was still running with that third unit today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, that that stuff does stand out to me. Yeah. Do you put anything into it? I mean, I haven't in the past. I think for sure there's signs. I mean, obviously, any time that you see, you know, the 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 main three wearing the same color, it's easy to draw conclusions off of that. But um, in terms of like it being anything solidified, I just don't think that there's anything that's like. I just still feel like it's going to end up being Keegan in that in that KZ spot. Um, to me, it's probably, you know, kind of like a, a dangling the carrot thing for Keegan, where it's more like, hey, like this guy has your spot until you take it. And, you know, K, no, you know, Mike Brown knows KZ. KZ is going to bring defense. Uh, KZ's, you know, in that starting spot. I'm sure he's fighting for his life trying to keep it. Um, it it's it's not a bad idea. You know, I mean, every coach has has their philosophy with how they want to treat rookies. And most of the time it is they need to earn their spot. 
Um, I would much rather have him do it now than in the regular season where it's like, okay, we're in game 15 and this guy still can't get in the starting lineup. So that that's what I've taken it as. I haven't really looked much into the uh, Herder Monk thing either, just because it, to me, it just makes too much sense for, for Herder to be the starter. I've been the same with that, that conversation. That's one of those ones that I uh, have to bite my tongue a lot on, on Twitter when people are talking about Monk over Herder. Uh, yeah. No hate on Monk. I just really think that Herder's oh, that guy is a way better fit. And honestly, that's the thing. It's more about fit. It's just like Malik is what you want out of like a scoring sixth man. I mean, obviously Davion is the true sixth man, but in terms of like a guy off the bench, you that's exactly what you want. Someone who has this irrational confidence, someone like, you know, you see Jordan Clarkson won sixth man of the year doing a very similar thing where it's just like you come in, it's your time to run the show. Um, you know, Davion obviously isn't, you know, creating a ton of offense for himself or, or for others, unless it's off the pick and roll, like Malik is somebody. And I think we saw it a couple times in that second half where, uh, you know, there's five seconds left on the shot clock. He's a bucket getter. And that is not somebody that's something actually last season that I would wonder about all the time was in the last 10 seconds, or if we really, really, really need a shot and everyone knows that we need a shot, who do we give the ball to? And I think that answer now is is clear. I mean, I actually think we have a couple different answers to it now. Which is a nice problem. Maybe not yeah. a problem, but a nice uh, situation to be in. Um, we'll go There's through only one ball. Yes, we'll go through a couple more of these. Um, which five are y'all not playing next game? Um, Mike Brown did say they probably yeah. won't get through 20 guys going into next game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it'll be, excuse me, exactly 15 that he plays. But for the sake of like this exercise, let's alternate and we'll get to five total. He also on, said like, that guys. his uh, his starters are probably going to play about the first half. So it will be like cutting out the bottom five, not, you know, yes. giving rest to Fox and Sabonis. Yeah. And I think he said the starters could go a little bit into the second half, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, but only mentioned it as like a possibility because they mm-hmm. didn't even start in the second half of last game. Um, yeah. But let's let's do this as a little bit of a game where You'll cut yeah. someone first from yep. playing, and then Sounds I'll cut good. one, and we'll get to we'll get to five total. But you Sounds can go good. ahead and and start with picking one uh, player. If we only were allowed to play fifteen guys next game, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think number one is Sam Merrill. It's it's unfortunate. I think Sam actually looked really good in his Lakers stint. He had I think two shots, two jump shots. Um, but you just kind of know what he is, and and I don't think that there's really a spot for him. So unfortunately, Sam goes number one. Makes sense. Um, I, I think that there's times where Sam is nice to put out as part of a lineup just like to be an example of like where you would have a different shooter, to be honest, mm-hmm. because sometimes you're <laughs> shooting in a lineup and you're just like, OK, well, imagine imagine he swung that to Malik instead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for for, sure. for just how an offense would function, it's important <laughs> to have sure. him out there. But I don't know that there's like anything moving forward. He feels like the 20th guy. I think we've said it yeah. before. Um, next one for me is Bazemore. I, and that has to do with like, you said you, we kind of know what we're getting with Sam Arrow. Like, I think it's even more true with Bazemore. You know what you're getting and you know what you're not getting. Um, I hate to be that guy. Like Bazemore sucked last year. Bazemore played what? 15, 20 games uh, with the Lakers last year. And then was no longer part of their rotation. A team that no different than going into this year really needed depth. And couldn't really play on that team. And I get that spacing was really important and he couldn't shoot. That's going to be the same thing with the Kings. Um, so I'm going base more second. Who you got third? 
It's where it gets a little more tough, right? Yeah. You can talk through your options if you want. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking big here. And I'm I'm it's either gonna be I can actually see a world where Alex Len doesn't play. Um and not necessarily because he's not the third center, but just because kind of what you just said to Baysmore. And not necessarily because I think they're gonna cut Alex, but more just again, just trying to see what they have with Nimi instead of Alex. Um you kind of know what you're gonna get with Alex. He's gonna be solid. Um, you're not probably going to call on him a lot during the season. So I don't know how much you really need to see from him. So I would expect to see Nimi get minutes in the second half over him, but that could just be me overthinking it, but I'm, I'm going to go with Alex. Probably not like the third option to get taken off the board, but just trying to rationalize it. Yeah. It's going to be one of those bigs, right? Yeah. One of Len or Kata. Um, yeah. and since you picked Len, I, I won't go with Kata. That'll leave like Kata sort of as like not an option here in my mind. Um, and I can't believe you're forcing me into this, but I'm saying Keon Ellis. Oh, um, John, John, he showed it enough. Out. He showed I enough. would love to watch. Yeah, we already know that he's yeah. the best player to ever wear number 23. Exactly. Like it's just all locked <laughs> yep. in already. Um, but like, like John Catterson points out here, they'll be on the team regardless. Like these guys are two ways. They're going to be around. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah, like point. Chima Moneki feels like an option here. Right. But, I, have I think to you need to see Chima what you play. have. You yep, have exactly. to see Chima play. And you don't have to see Keon because he's going to mm-hmm. be in Stockton no matter what. Like Chima's like, you ha- you're making a decision on this. Yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah, we, have no, we have no idea what Chima Moneki looks like against NBA talent. We at least have some idea of what those two do. Yeah. If we have to pick a fifth, it feels like <laughs> I Cook mean, or, it, it's it's Cook or Nelly. It feels now. like quick. It feels like Cook to me. And maybe... You know, and maybe there's a chance that they alternate games. Maybe Delhi will get all of this game, or Cook will get all of this game, and then the other will get all of next game, or whatever the breakdown is. They'll he'll get the backup minutes. But um, I think that they need again, you know, kind of the same situation with the Len and Kata thing. They just need to pick one of them. Um, and I think, you know, what? I actually think it'll probably be Delhi who sits because I think Quinn got less minutes. Uh, last game, if it, at least it felt that way, and I think uh, when Quinn did come in, he came in with Delhi at first, so he was kind of more running the two. Um, I'm this is again just kind of me overthinking it, but I, I would think that they would want to see what Quinn looks like actually at point guard. So I'm going to go Delhi as the fifth fifth benched. I think there's no wrong act uh, wrong answer between the two. I, I think like important thing for me is like we we mentioned Chima. I think that's a really big one. Like I want to see what we, what is there i know they've i'm sure they've gotten a decent look and decent feel based on training camp uh we saw mike brown having a pretty long conversation with chima today at mm-hmm. practice like five ten minutes it felt like of just a one-on-one conversation yeah and you saw mike brown like getting down in defensive stance and he was clearly just explaining like it looked like nuances of things and like i don't know if that's chima asking yeah. questions or mike brown initiating it but like um a long, long conversation going on there that I'm sure they've had so many of throughout the course mm-hmm. of this. And they probably have a really good feel for Chima, but I would like to get a better idea of what Chima brings before he's just potentially cut, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. A couple of people mentioning Metu. I don't see it happening. I think they just... I don't still, think we've said his name. <laughs> we haven't said Metu's name, which... Well, that's, uh, that's all we need to say out Messi. I think we could yeah. leave the Messi conversation at that. Um, I think that's it man um i think that's all i got i appreciate everybody hopping in here uh got a decent amount of people in the live stream so thumbs up are always appreciated i, I hate asking for this shit again it feels so <laughs> cheesy but like it's just part make sure to like comment and subscribe yeah. um 
We Chris and I talked about this on on the live stream, I think, or maybe it was before we pressed yeah, record. No, How awkward it is, thing. yes, yeah. doing these intros and outros, and you just have to like autopilot them and not think about it. And if you slip yep. up at all, you like realize how awkward it is what you're saying. But anyways, that's all we got. Any film breakdowns coming? We are going to be watching the these games back on Twitch. We'll see how much Chris is able to join me, but they'll definitely yes. end up uh, happening. And uh, that's twitch.tv slash BrendanMBA. We have the last game on there already mm-hmm. on a VOD that Chris and I have watched. Um, so that's where that is. Um, I think that's it. Do you want to show your dog, Chris? Somebody's asking to see your dog. Okay. <laughs> a dog, Ruby. <laughs> She's a cutie. She's a little <laughs> tiny husky. She doesn't make any noise ever. Do, do you, baby? Do you? Uh, people are always like shocked at how small she actually is. People think she's a lot bigger when they see her in person. But how are you about uh, sharing uh, how you got your dog? Oh no, for sure. Uh, it's actually like the craziest story. <laughs> so. Um, I wanted a dog. For, I love dogs. Ever since I moved out by myself, I wanted a dog. Told my girlfriend I really want a dog. Um, her, my girlfriend's sister worked at Barnes and Noble, had a coworker who was in this Facebook group. A lot of like moving pieces here. Um, but essentially that Facebook group uh, like is in connection with a shelter in Korea, South Korea, to my knowledge. Uh, not north uh and (laughs) this shelter like specializes in like they go around to like abandoned buildings and stuff and like i guess in korea uh there's like a huge dog meat market and there's a ton of dogs that are just like chained up in houses locked up for like their entire life they're just bred essentially to be eaten and that was my dog and like this this organization will go rescue the dogs cut the chains take them to uh to the shelter and then they find uh they find someone to do it or who wants the dog my coworker or my my girlfriend's sister's coworker messaged me was like hey like i have a dog do you want it and i was like for sure flew this thing all the way from korea to sfo my plug picked her up my plug over it's just too many <laughs> too many pieces yeah, yeah. explaining sisters girlfriends whatever uh so the plug drove to sfo drove straight to my house dropped her off at the doorstep and was like here's your dog my dumbass did not for a second think like what if this dog has a ton of issues like what if this is just an angry dog that like doesn't like people any i don't know why the hell i did not think about this She's like the best dog ever. Hella quiet. Doesn't make noise. You heard her barking, but like she rarely, rarely makes sound. Seems super chill. I appreciate you sharing that. You first told me that it was like the wildest thing. Um, and yeah, you know, for 15 cents a day, you guys can yeah, can download sure. and, and help save. Download. You guys can donate. And help save <laughs> the can dog. Help save a dog yeah. in South Korea. Um, for sure. We need more Chris Watkins in this world is the point. Um, Shit. <laughs> I think I that's wish, it, Chris. <laughs> See, we save everything that happens at the beginning of the King's Beat. We just do it at the end of these King's Bulls episodes. This is where we rant. And <laughs> the amount of people that come up to me and are like, yeah, you know, the King's Beat is great. I just like always have to skip the first five minutes. Yeah. This is this is, uh, this is the KP the equivalent. Yeah. This is the KP equivalent. So I think I'm going to say it. This kind of feels like a breakthrough episode. 
episode. It's feeling <laughs> <laughs> okay. like a breakthrough okay. episode for King's Pulse. I'm going to say I'm putting, putting my stamp on this now. You're hella funny. There was a YouTube <laughs> comments a long time ago from an episode Chris and I and Frank did. That somebody said this feels like a breakthrough episode. And I didn't know how to take that. It's quite a backhanded compliment. It's just like, that is the ultimate backhanded compliment. <laughs> like, that is like, that should be in Webster's dictionary as a backhanded compliment. It was very funny. I, yeah, shit was so funny. Um, all right. Ooh. I think that's all we got. Um, and we are going to obviously be keeping up more of these episodes and there's a lot of good work going up by myself and all the other guys and gals at the king's herald <laughs> who skips the start of a uh, king's beat you don't want to hear sean rail on the rain true it's true sean yeah the rain rant was legendary the rain rant was a solid one um, but check out the King's Herald for all the great work going on there and take a look at their Patreon and support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And hear from us again in the next couple of days.